Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. They were all baptized unto Moses in the sea. That's what it's referring to. So we follow our great shepherd in resurrection, just as the children of Israel followed Moses up and out of the Red Sea. And what happens as soon as the children of Israel came out of the Red Sea? What happened when they came out of the Red Sea? The Red Sea then crashed down on the Egyptians and killed them all. He killed them all. That's what happened. That's what happened there. He killed them all. He killed them all. And so when Moses brought the children of Israel up and out of the Red Sea. Israel was delivered from the wrath to come, the wrath that was right on the heels, the wrath that was right behind them. And when the Lord Jesus leads us up and out uh, of death by resurrection, he will deliver us from the wrath to come. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, where we are told of his son from heaven, heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The children of Israel could just as soon say that about Moses. He led us up and out and delivered us from the crashing of the Red Sea, the wrath to come. By leading Israel up and out of the sea, Moses delivered them from the wrath to come. And by resurrecting us from the dead, the Lord Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. And now we come to the description of the Lord. The Lord Jesus is called in verse 20, that great shepherd. Not just the shepherd, but that great shepherd. That great shepherd, it sets, in a, it's, it sets us with the question, who are we? Who are we? We are described in Psalm 100 verse 3. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The sheep is his pasture. Psalm 23.1, very famous. Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what does the shepherd do? What did Moses do? That shepherd that, was, that, that Isaiah referred to him in Isaiah 63.11, what did he do? He led his sheep through, up and out of the Red Sea. And so the sheep follow where the shepherd goes. The idea here is that the sheep follows where the shepherd goes. That's the idea that the Lord is referring to when he said, as I quoted earlier in, in, in John 14.3, John 14.3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to me, to, to receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So the sheep follow the great shepherd as he leads them. As it says in Psalm 80 verse 1, Psalm 80 verse 1, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, 
Now, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us that the great shepherd was raised from the dead? Well, it means that we will follow him as, the, as Israel did, being raised from the dead, just as it says in 1 Corinthians 6.14. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us. In 2 Corinthians 4.14, 2 Corinthians 4.14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, by Jesus. Now, when we think about him as the great shepherd, there's two important points that we see. First, he is the great shepherd because he gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life for the sheep. That's what he said in John 10, 11. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He accepted, he, 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 his life was, was accepted instead of ours. His dying made our dying no longer necessary. His life was adequate payment, just like we've been singing about. He's a great shepherd because he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. John 10, 14, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and are known of mine. He's the great shepherd because he's tender. He's tender with the sheep. It says, and when it speaks about him with children in Mark 9, 36, Mark 9, 36, it says, he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him up in his arms, he said unto them, and he started, he told them that to let little children come to me. In Isaiah 40, verse one, Isaiah 40, verse one, very tender it says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. He shall carry them in his bosom, and he shall gently lead those that are with young. When he stood before Jerusalem, when he stood before Jerusalem, and he cried out in Matthew 23, 37, Matthew 23, 37, his cry was a tender cry. When he cried out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children? See, with outstretched arms, his blood ran down. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? He's a great shepherd because he leads us. He leads us like Moses did. John 10, 4, John 10, 4. He putteth forth his own sheep. He goeth before them and the sheep follow him. He's just a great shepherd because he cares. You know, we sung before this hymn, Does Jesus Care? Yes, I know my Jesus cares. He's a great shepherd because he's a great, he, he cares. He draws an analogy between the hireling, the person who's just hired, and the shepherd in John 10, 11. And he says, the hireling doesn't care. That's why he runs away. The hireling, in John 10, 13, John 10, 13, the hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and careth not for the sheep, but not him. He's a great shepherd because he seeks when a sheep goes astray. He doesn't just say, well, I got all these, I got 90 and nine. Well, what's the one less? He doesn't do that. He gets compulsive. He gets obsessive. He says, I got to go after that one that went astray. He doesn't say, well, at least I have. No, he says, I want them all. In Ezekiel 34, 11, he says, in Ezekiel 34, 11, I, the Lord says, I, even I will both search out and seek them out. I'll search out his flock in the day and he's among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek my sheep, I'll deliver them. And then in, in going on in Ezekiel 34, 16, Ezekiel 34, 16, he says, I will seek that which was lost, just like when he came. He said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'll bind them up, bind up the broken, I'll strengthen that sick, I'll just dis- dis- destroy the, those that are against him, I'll feed my flock. And then Peter sums it all up so beautifully. When Peter says in 1 Peter 2.25, 
You were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You were a sheep going astray, but now you return. Now you returned. I can't help but read that. When I read that, that returning back part, I just can't help but think of, of, of one of Jacob's son, sons called Naphtali. Naphtali. And, and when Jacob was on his deathbed and was going around, he said one sentence, one sentence that said so much when he came to Naphtali in Genesis 49, 29, 21. Genesis 49, 21. Jacob looked at Naphtali and he said, Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Naphtali means struggle. I'm not going to go in to tell you how he got his name. It's embarrassing, but never mind that. Naphtali means struggle. And Jacob described Naphtali as a deer, a doe. Deers were never meant to be penned. They were never meant to be domesticated, and, and they struggle. And so he says, this is a, this is a deer that was struggling. It was, it, was, it, was in, it was penned up, and it was struggling. And one deer just struggled so much that, 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 it, that it got loose, and it went off. And, but, but the deer returned with goodly words. The deer returned with goodly words. You know, and I read that, I can't help but think about when we used to live in Lakeside on Willow Road, down the dirt road, way, way down the dirt road part. No one ever came down there where we lived with 300 goats. And we lived with, uh, we had a big family, we had 300 goats. And we had the worst property imaginable for goats. It was on the side of a hill with boulders, it was almost straight up and down, and the goats loved it. They just thought, this is wonderful. Big rocks and boulders in their pens, but it was, the, it was, it was just... It was, it was just a complete wrong place for us to buy. I'm sure the goats must have looked at us and said, how could you be so dumb as to buy this property for us? But anyway, it, 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 we, 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 we called out 10 uh, fencing companies, and, and we said, we want to fence that for pens. And, and they all said, you're crazy. I, we can't fence that. It's just one boulder after the other. So we ended up fencing it ourselves, drilled into rock with rockcrete, put posts and everything. It was really something. Anyway, once in a while it would happen that the goat would, would get onto the, this large boulder and make this, this, this giant swan dive jump over the fence to the other side. And, 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 uh, and we would watch them do this, and they would jump for joy. And, you know, and then, and, uh, you know, I, my, my boys and I used to go up there and try to, to catch them, but oh, no. you know, I used to do that. That was 40 years ago and 150 pounds ago. But, I did. but anyway... We'd see them jump over there, and they'd be skipping from rock to rock. Then up over El Capitan Mountain they went, and we never saw them again. They were gone. And I remember well, the first time this happened. Occasionally this did happen. I remember one time, uh, all of a sudden, you know, my boys would come and say, Dad, Dad, you know, I'd say, what is it? He says, he says, one of our goats is outside the pen. And I said, well, he must have just jumped out. And we went out there, and by the, the ear tag, the number, we realized that that was the goat that escaped a week or weeks ago. And he came back. And he's standing outside of our pen, and he's crying. He wants back in. He wants back in again. So we'd go up there, take the fence apart, get the fence, get, get him back in, let him back in, and that goat never left again. Now, what happened? What happened to that one goat? There's very few goats that did that, some goats. Those very few, that minority of goats, what happens? Well, when that goat was in our pen, that goat had a memory, and she had water all the time. 
in the heat of the summer. She had the most beautiful El Centro first cuttings of alfalfa hay, so beautiful. I used to go down there, grab that hay like a goat's mouth and grab it and make like I was chewing it. No sticks would stick in you. Beautiful green smell, loaded with protein, wonderful. Then we used to go up to Ace grain up in uh, uh, Ontario there, and we used to buy this sweet molasses grain. Oh, it was wonderful stuff, you know. Anyway, and, but, and, and, and when she was in captivity, you know, when she was at kid captivity, she didn't appreciate it. Appreciate it. She was a Naftali goat. She, she just struggled with being in, in captivity, and she looked for the freedom. She thought, oh, it's going to be so much better if I could just get out there on the other side of the fence. And then when it got to be too much for her, she made the great escape. And, 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 and she was free. And, but then after time, she began to feel like the prodigal son came to herself. And she said, how much water did I have to drink in that pen? How much alfalfa did I have? How much of that wonderful grain? How many of my goat friends did I have in that pen? And, and she missed them. And she just came by. And then she was just, she, she was crying outside the pen. And she had goodly words, goodly words. And, and her goodly words were, Please let me come back in. Uh, I miss being back in the pen. I won't jump again. Those were goodly words. I mean, if I knew goat language, I'm sure that's what she was saying. Now, some people are like that. Some people are like Naftali. Some people are like that, especially when they're raised in a Christian home and where all they've known is the Christian home and the church, and they just feel struggling like Naftali. They feel like they got to break loose. They gotta, they're the hind let loose, as, 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 as Jacob said. Genesis 49, the hind let loose, Naphtali is the hind let loose, and they go loose, they leave home, and they get out, it's a prodigal son, they leave the church, they feel so liberated at first, it's all, oh, the freedom is wonderful, I can do what I want to do, go, be what I want to be, go where I want to go, and, they, and life is wonderful, but then comes the road of hard knocks, and they find that out there the world is not what they thought it was, the world's cruel, and no one loves them unless what they give, they have to give, there's no such thing as unconditional love. And then they remember, oh, the love and the care that I received at home, just like the prodigal son, just like those goats. And they come back with the goodly words, I'm sorry for leaving. I was wrong to leave. Please forgive me. I won't leave again. And when they do, they're just like those goats that come back. And the Lord Jesus is the great shepherd because he opens up the fence to let them back in the pen again. He is the great shepherd that's described by Peter. You are returned it's like what Peter is saying, oh, you're the goat that's outside the pen. You returned again and, and to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He is a great shepherd because he lets us back in. He is the great shepherd because he went to heaven first before us. He led us. He's leading us in, in Hebrews 4.14, Hebrews 4.14. Seeing that, that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast our profession. He's the great high priest because all of our needs... He supplies. Have you ever taken Psalm 23, Psalm 23, and, and dissected it out for what are the needs and what are the needs that he met? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That meets the need of our soul to be led. We are not good at making decisions. We need a leader. Moses, lead us up out of the Red Sea. Lord Jesus, lead me in life. The Lord is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will not going to experience that soul hunger and thirst, that deep emptiness and void anymore. He makes me to lie down in, in green pastures. We need rest, we need peace. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He meets that need. Leads us beside the still waters. 
the still waters, that soul-satisfying still waters of the Word of God that we drink in. He restores our soul. Those reports that we had from the summer blitzers there, their souls were battered. They were damaged. They were in need of repair. And they go back and have their time with God, and God restores, he restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. As we mentioned here, he, he leads us into God's path of righteousness, corrects us when we need it along the way. We need it. We walk through the, the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He meets our needs to not be anxious. He meets our needs so that we don't look at death and say, that's scary. That's scary. And he does it through companionship, for thou art with me. Companionship and fellowship. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. We need comfort. Nobody knows the need of comfort more than the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Psalm 69.20, Psalm 69.20, that reproach had broken his heart, that he was full of heaviness, and he looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but he found none. And so now he is the Lord in 2 Corinthians 1.4, 2 Corinthians 1.4, who comforts us in all our tribulation. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies to boot. That means, in other words, when our enemies are pounding on us, he especially pours out blessings. He anoints our head with oil. That would be speaking of the anointing of the oil would be as in sonship, like we were talking about today. Today is Father's Day. He makes us know we are sons of God. Our cup runs over, superabundance, superabundance, never running out. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We just need to know that something terrible is not going to happen to us tomorrow. He makes us know that because it's only goodness and mercy during our life. And afterward, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes us know that we have a great future. We have a great future. And it's all, it's that great shepherd that is raised through the blood. Now we're told how this great resurrection happened in Hebrews 13.20, Hebrews 13.20, through his blood, by the blood. Our sins killed him. Our sins killed him. Our sins weighed him down. As the hymn says, and it's very scriptural, when it says, O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head? Our load was laid on thee. That hymn describes what our sins did to him. They weighed him down. But his blood took away those sins and freed both us and him from the weight of our sins. Our sins held him down. His blood broke our sins away from him and allowed him to rise up from the dead. That's what it says in Acts 2.24. Acts 2.24. God hath raised him up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The word holden of it means they couldn't hold him down any longer. They couldn't hold him down. You know, this, this reminds me when, as you know, few weeks ago, I was, when I was in Hawaii, and I decided to go back into scuba. It had only been 50 years since I had died, my last dive. I didn't tell them that. But anyway, so I needed some new safety training because all this newer equipment, you know, since 1968, things changed a little bit. And so at that time, we wore weight belts. But now there is a buoyancy control device. I had to even memorize these words. Vents, the vest. And the weights are sleeves that are tucked inside of the vest. 
And so we went out in, in, into the ocean there with the, the instructor and I, and we did safety maneuvers so we could teach this. You know, so he says, okay, now if your partner gets in trouble then, and you're down at the bottom and you need to rise to the surface, then here's what you do. You reach over to your partner and you unsnap these quick snaps and the, and the weights will fall out of the sleeves to the bottom of the ocean. And so we did that. It wasn't very deep, so he could go get them again. Anyway, and then, and then you rise to the surface. What a picture, what a picture that is of his blood. The Father, God the Father reached over and unsnapped the weights on the, on the vest of the Lord Jesus Christ, which were our sins, and then he rose from the dead. Our sins were the weights that weighed him down, that kept him below, but his blood unsnapped the weights of his sins that held him down. And God saw this. God saw that the work of the substitution was complete. It was finished. And so just like we say, it was accomplished. And so God the Father accepted his work and therefore he rose from the dead. His blood was the symbol of our death. His blood was the seal of the resurrection, the seal of the resurrection. No blood, no resurrection, just that simple, just that simple. His resurrection was not part of the work, it was the result of his work. That's why we're finishing up the series now with the resurrection, because for all that we have discussed of what his blood accomplished, this and this and this and this, it's in your bulletin, it was the resurrection that was the result of all his work. The resurrection, the, the resurrection was God's, God's doing after he saw all the work that he did. It was just like when, when, when God looked down and saw all of his work, he said, that's good. When God looked down on Noah and saw that his sacrifice, it says God smelled a sweet savor. He smelled a sweet savor, and that's what God did. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is called the blood of the everlasting covenant. Why? Because the, that covenant, that agreement, was formed back in the councils from eternity, and it will last throughout all eternity. As a matter of fact, whenever we at Scandibodies get a new contract, the first thing we go look at is way at the end, it's called the term. In other words, the duration of the contract, how long this is going to be in effect for. Well, God's contract is, what his term says, everlasting. Everlasting, as it says in Jeremiah 32.40. Jeremiah 32, 40 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them. <clears throat> now, finally, we can add the 14th accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus is the accomplishment of our resurrection. But really, this last accomplishment, as I mentioned here, is the result of all the other accomplishments. It's the, this is the resurrection. This is the graduation march. The Lord Jesus did all the hard work on the cross and then when it came time for him to graduate, what happened is he turned to us and he says, you walk down the graduation because you're going to graduate in me, in me. After he suffered, after he died, he pointed us and he said, I did it all for them. I did it all for them. They get to walk with me in the graduation march. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the great work of our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus all that he accomplished. And thank you, Lord, in the graduation that you resurrected him from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 